As we start in the month of Adar, it's known that the muzzle of Adar is uh, dagim, fish. So I thought it would be interesting to uh, learn a little story or a statement, the Gemara, regarding fish. This is from Masachas Ba'at Katan, Daf Yudalef, Amud Aleph. Welcome to another episode of En Yaakov, Beyond the Story. The Gemara says, Amar Rav, Amar Liada Tzaida, Rav says that the fisherman Ada once told him, it is better to eat fish when it is almost rotten rather than to eat it right away um, soon after it was fished out of the water. We'll discuss this more in length. Let me just go through the whole, uh, the whole Gemara. Vahama Rav, and Rav continues to say more things that this fisherman Ada told him. Amar Liada Kavro, Ada the fisherman tells Rav another advice about fish. When you want to eat fish, so you have to grill it with his brother. I'll explain soon what it means. Asuke be'avua, and then after it is um, grilled, you have to bring it into his father, and then michlei bivrei, then you eat it together with his son. And finally, after eating the fish, you have to drink his father. So, of course, Rashi explains what is this riddle, what is he saying. So, um, Ada, the fisherman, was telling Rav that fish has to be grilled in salt, with salt. And he calls salt his brother because uh, fish grows from the water. And so does salt. Then he says you have to bring it to his father. So what, as we said, that fish comes from the water, so his father will be water. So after it is grilled in salt, you kind of rinse it in water. And uh, after that, you eat it with his son. Rashi explains that his son in that case means the sauce that, that comes out of the grilling. You, you eat it together with the fish. And finally, you drink. His father, as we said, means the, means the water. After drinking fish, you, you drink water. So, of course, there are a number of questions. The first question that will come up is, is uh, what's, uh, what's so interesting here? That the Gemara needs to discuss these recipes. Um, moreover, we know that Rav... It is written that Rav has never said Dvarim Betelim in his life. And even when he, when he was teaching Torah, he would say, he would talk very bekitzer. What it means that Rav was so careful about not saying words that are, that are just futilities, that are not needed and not necessary, that he never spoke any kind of idle talk. He only spoke about things that was a teaching, that was teaching something to people. Even when teaching halacha, he would only say the words that are necessary to get the ruling and to understand the message. So how is it that over here he's talking to us about recipes um, or advice on, on how to prepare or eat fish? But even before we get there and start talking about this, let's, isn't it shocking that 
the Gemara is telling us in the name of Rav that fish has to be eaten when it is almost rotten. Toysfis actually is asking that very question right there on the page. He's saying that in our days, we know very well that there is a sakana. It's actually dangerous to eat fish if it, is, if it, has, if it has lingered a little too long. And uh, as it's starting to decay, it, it is actually dangerous. Here, Rav comes and he says that you have to eat the fish, not when it's just out of the water, but let it rot a bit. So, Taisvis answers that perhaps we're talking about one specific type of fish. Maybe the word cover in that case doesn't mean fish in general, but it's the name of a fish, and maybe that type of fish, this is the way to eat it. Um, you know, in the same way that steaks have to be aged, for example. But then Taisvis says that, simply put, Nishtanu aitim, nishtanu ativim. As time has changed, nature has changed as well. Not only the nature of the people has changed, and therefore there are certain things that used to be considered good um, and healthy, and now it is not, um, but also the nature of the food and the nature of, um, of all matters have also changed over the years. And perhaps Toysfe says that in that time and in that place, the fish that came um, from Bavel, and we're coming from these very specific rivers or, or oceans, this was the right way for that time to be eaten. But today, things have changed. The only thing, the only problem with this answer, of course, it is a plausible answer, but then it raises another question, and a, a, a fundamental question. We know that Teure is eternal. And we know that Torah is MS, Torah is true, truth, and truth never changes. Truth is very consistent. As a matter of fact, the word MS, which means truth in Hebrew, is written with the first, the last, and the middle letter of the Aleph base, telling you that from beginning to the end and through the middle, it doesn't change, it remains the same. Torah is eternal, and Torah is MS. So if Torah is eternal, how could we say that certain parts of the Torah, like these few lines of, of the, the Gemara, don't apply anymore today? Because nature has changed. We also find in Moren Vuchim that the Rambam gives such an answer to students who are perplexed and asking, there are many kind of refuas, any kind of healing and uh, medicine that is mentioned in the Gemara, that actually don't apply today. Science will debunk it today. So does that mean it is true? Does that mean it is not true? The Rabbam explains that you cannot compare the nature of humans or the characteristics of herbs and so on and so forth of 2,000 years ago to the way it is today. As time went on, people's reaction to whatever food they exposed is different. And because the food it's itself has evolved and is, and is different. So the rabbi is saying he cannot say that those things written in the, the Gemara, those medicine mentioned in the Gemara are not true. Um, they were true at the time. But being that, the Torah itself tells you that nishtanu aitim, nishtanu ativim, 
nature of people change with the time. So therefore, those medicine don't, don't apply today. And you know, the Rambam himself gives a number of um, medical advice, and the Rambam was a successful physician. He was an actual doctor. So uh, for sure that the, the advice, the medical advice that he gives in the Yada Chazaka is something that was, you know, true and tested by, uh, by a medical professional. And yet some of these advice don't apply today, 850 years later, simply because our nature has changed. And those things that were true for then are no longer applicable. They won't work today. So this answer is absolutely acceptable. But then we remain with the question of eternity. So, okay, it was true. Whatever is written in the Gemara is true. And those medicines and those treatments were true, but maybe they're no longer applicable. Does that mean that this is not eternal? Does it mean that, the, that this part of the Torah at least is not eternal? It's a very interesting statement that... Uh, the Rebbe's father makes about this subject and he says that we have to be aware that everything that is written in the Torah and in Divrei Chazal not only the Torah the way it is the, the Tanakh but the Mishnayis the Agados the Midrashim anything written in the Gemara is MS is true and therefore is eternal and he even goes further to say that even parts of the Torah in which there is an argument and the Gemara says about a certain opinion, this opinion is a lie. This opinion is, is, doesn't make sense. That opinion and that part of Torah is still true. How does that work? How is it possible? Well, you would have to refer to uh, an earlier episode called um, We're No Angel. We're no angels. And uh, this is explained at length, but I would like to, in this context, go back to, uh, to this explanation. When we say truth, there are many different dimensions of truth. And there are, uh, there are truth in every one of these dim dimensions. Just to uh, give you an example, that there was in Dvinsk, uh, which was a, a major city full of scholars, Back in Europe, like any big town, there were two rabbanim. There were two chief rabbis, the Hasid and the Misnagid. And in this case, they were both illustrious gdoilim. The Hasid was the Rogachover, and the other of was the Ersameach, Meir Simcha. Now, there was uh, an argument between two uh, adults who were arguing, various gresser, who's bigger? One was saying the Rogachava is bigger, the other one saying the Rosemach is bigger, and there was a child right there who says, well, what an easy argument to settle. All you need to do is put them one next to the, to the other, and then you see, you look at them and you see, one is bigger than the other. The one who's bigger, he's the one who's bigger. So, of course, in the paradigm of the child, being bigger simply means literally bigger, taller, fatter, whichever way you want to say it, but bigger. When the adults were arguing, they were arguing about the wisdom, who is greater in wisdom. Now, when the child worldview of what it means bigger, um, was that MS? Of course, it was true. At his level, it was true. 
the adults um, view of what does it mean to be bigger 100% true how could they bo both be true well it all depends at what at what level at the level of the simple understanding bigger means in terms of size at the level of a deeper understanding we're talking about wisdom now let's go back to what Torah is Chazal tells us that the Torah talks in the higher world and is only an illusion that we get in this world down below. What does it mean? We know that the Torah is Hashem's Chochmah. The Torah is a divine wisdom. The divine wisdom is divine and spiritual. And as such, it is not bound to any kind of physical um, situations. So the Torah in its source, in its origin, in its original form, it is completely spiritual. But then Hashem wanted to give us the Torah. He wanted us to use the Torah in order to be able to refine and elevate the Gashmis of this world. And in order to do so, how could we relate to something infinite, and spiritual as the godly wisdom, Hashem had to funnel down the Torah, to come down and take a physical shape. And therefore, the way the Torah reveals itself in this world is talking about very physical matters. As a matter of fact, that's the only way we could refine the world and bring godliness to this world is when we apply the Torah on this world in the way the Torah is prescribed in terms of physical matters. That uh, a sukkah has four walls. We're talking about physical walls. And sometimes the Torah even has to go down into what we call a tiny shel shekel. Two people arguing and one of them is obviously lying when one says... This item is mine, and the other one says, no, this item is mine. Obviously, one of them is lying. The Torah, which is the ultimate truth. The Torah, which is a godly wisdom, which means purity par excellence, is busy arguing about lies. That is a result of the concealment of the godliness that was necessary in order to bring down the Torah to this physical world, to be able to use the power of the Torah, the spiritual power of the Torah, in order to transform this world. But in that journey down, in each spiritual sphere, the Torah takes a different shape, and it appears to be something else. We know that the Torah is split into four levels of Pshat, Remez, Drush, Soit. Pshat is the simple textual explanation. Remez is what is this text alluded to, and drush is, how could we explain this in a more esoteric way? And soid is the, actually, the actual secret that is hidden within these, these words. And that refers to Kabbalah, for example, and Chassidus. In each one of these levels, we understand the Torah differently. And yet, in each one of these levels, that understanding is true, is emes. Emes had a different dimension. MS as a Pshat, MS as a, as a Remez, MS as a Drush, MS as a Soit. I had mentioned in that podcast as well that Moshe Alshich, who was a Talmud of the Arizal, 
used to fall asleep um, during the Arizal's lectures. And that bothered him. So he went to the Arizal and he told him that uh, he'd like to find a, a remedy to this. He, he doesn't want to fall asleep. When the Rebbe told the story, he said in a, jokingly, he says, I guess I'm in good company that people sleep during my Fabrengen. The only difference is that the Al-Sheikh was bothered that he fell asleep, as opposed to being satisfied with the sleep. So the Al-Sheikh went and he asked Arizal, how can I, how can I stop sleeping during your class? The Arizal told him, well, Yineshama is from Oilam Hadrush. Yineshama is coming from the world of Drush, and therefore anytime I reach the level of Soit, secrets, that's not Shaykh to you. You're not, it, it doesn't relate to you. So therefore, you're unable to hear it, so that's why you fall asleep. But until then, Pshad, Remes, Drush, you hear it. That's Shaykh to you. But anything higher than that is not. So with all of this explanation, we could get to understanding how, even though the remedies that are written in the Gemara are no longer applicable, but they are nonetheless considered emes. Since we established that the Torah, meaning that the Torah in his original form is utterly spiritual, anything that reveals itself in a different dimension in lower worlds is a revelation that is brought about by those Chachamim, the way they understood it, at their level in which they, in which they were. And in that time, in Oilamaze, it was applicable. And the fact that it is no longer applicable now doesn't change that what this remedy actually means in a spiritual way, that did not change. The way it is learned, Lemailo, the way it is learned in Ganeiden, it remains exactly the same. And in that sense, the Torah is eternal. So therefore, what Rav says that Ada, the fisherman, told him about the best way of eating fish is just an allusion to something a lot deeper that means something completely different in spiritual terms. It's only the way it was translated at that time by this Amaira. It seems to mean that fish is better when it is aged, even though it actually means something a lot deeper. And the same we could say about the fact that Rav, who has never spoken idle talk, is there telling us the best recipe for fish. He is actually not just telling us something about fish, but really what it means is something much deeper at the more spiritual dimension. Now, those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while already know that anything that is written in Enyakov also has many dimensions in which you could understand it. could understand it as the Pshat, the way, the way it is, but that's only the way it appears to be in Olamaze. And then we dig, dig deeper and aim to uncover the secrets that, uh, that are hidden beneath the story. Sometimes it is easier than others to be able to see what, what does that actually mean at a different dimension. We will first need to explain that fish doesn't mean only fish. Fish actually represents, Talmud Chachamim, 
fish also represents tzaddikim. The reason is that as opposed to any other being, fish only survives when he is connected with his source. The source of the fish we mentioned before is water. As soon as fish comes out of water, it doesn't survive. Now, this is not the case for any other being. Humans, for example, come from earth. We don't see that we are totally attached to earth. We may return to, to earth. Our, our sustenance will depend on earth, but we're not constantly attached to earth. And even that sustenance that comes from earth, let's say bread, grain, this grain grows out of earth, but yet it is not obvious that it is dependent on earth and constantly connected to earth. As a matter of fact, we, we harvest our grain and they're away from their source, from, from their place of origin, long, long before we get to eat it. And they're still fine. The fruits and vegetables you will see in the grocery store don't look much different than the way they looked when they were attached to the trees or to the ground. It is not obvious after being separated from the source that they depend on the source, which is not the case for fish. So in that case, fish actually represent the people who realize that they actually constantly depend on their source and must remain connected to their source or else they cannot survive. And I'm talking about our neshama, our neshama who is godly. And we should realize that we are just like fish, that we depend on, our, on this connection with the source of our neshama, with our godliness in order to survive. But unfortunately, it is not as obvious as it is by fish. Yet there are those among us for whom that connection is always present and they are constantly aware of their dependence on their source, on their, on their avishter, which is their, their source. Just like fish realizes that he must remain in water in order to survive. Who are these people? Those are the tzaddikim. Those are the Tamid Chachamim, which is also written in Sifri Kabbalah that that's the reason why Neshames uh, of Tzadikim could be Mizgalgel in fish. The Alter Rebbe asked in Maimar Maktsorim what will be the need for Tzadikim to go through a reincarnation in a fish if it is because of uh, Averis sins that they have done and they need the Tikkun so then they'll be better off have their Gilgul in, in a human that could then practice mitzvahs and fix whatever was not done properly in, in his first Gilgul. And if there were no Averis, why does he need a Gilgul altogether? So the Altarebbe explains that in order to complete the refinement of this world, the Tzadikim will be misgalgal in a fish because of the similarity that they have with the fish. That awareness, that constant awareness that they need to remain bottle, annulled to Hashem and constantly connected to Hashem. This similarity with the fish 
is what gives them the possibility to go into the water and complete the refinement and elevation of this world as well. Which is also the reason why Alpikabale was supposed to eat fish on Shabbos. Uh, because just like on Shabbos, we separate from any worldly mundane occupation and we are aware that even our physical needs, such as eating and sleeping and so on, is actually for the sake of the mitzvah of Shabbos. Is everything in the world is connected to godliness and done for the sake of godliness. So, having said that, we could not turn to this specific uh, story that we read today and try to understand it along those lines. Ben Ishai explains in Ben Yoyada that um, the fish being better when it is a, not eaten immediately, that refers to Talmidei Chachamim who don't rush to give an answer. And he explained that you could go to a scholar and ask him a question and he will be quick to answer. But then you may be able to... Uh, uh, to refute this answer and he will need to argue and then come up with another answer and so on. That would be comparable to the fish right after it was fished out of the water. On the other hand, there is the scholars that will take the time to think before giving the answer. And they would thinking, think it through and in their own head they will come up with an answer, a rebuttal of the answer, and a better answer and so on. And by the time their wisdom is aged, their answer is irrefutable. So he's saying that that's what Ravi is saying. Ravi is saying when you go to fish, don't eat it as soon as you fish it. Let it age. When you go to ask or to learn by a scholar, let him take the time to think it through to find the best way to relate the information to you in a way you will benefit from it the most. And then about the second part of the story, he brings something very interesting. We have over here everything, the way that Rav relates what Ada the fisherman told him. We have a few dimensions. We have the fish, but we have his father, okay, which is the water. We have his brother, which is the salt. So to speak, his equal, his peer. And then we have his son, which is what comes out, his product, so to speak, which is the, the sauce. So how does that relate to Talmud HaChachamim? The Gemara tells us, I have learned a lot from my teachers. But I have learned more from my peers. However, for my students is what I've learned the most. So he explains that we could see over here three stages in learning. Learning from your teacher and then learning from your peers after you review what your teacher told you with your peers, you get to a deeper understanding. And then later when you yourself become a teacher, you will have your students keeping you on your toes and making you understand things to an even deeper dimension. So one might think 
that once he has learned from the, his teacher, he could move on to the next stage. Forget the teacher. Now I'm learning with my peers. And the Gemara says, I've learned more from my peers than from my teachers because I was able to develop what my teachers taught me. And then one, one might think that once I've got to the next stage in which I'm teaching students, I no longer need to have a teacher because I have now reached the ultimate level of understanding. Comes Rav and tells us in an allusion, in an allusion to the fish. And he's saying, fish, which is Amit HaChachamim, when you eat it, when you grill it with his brother, with the salt, that means when you are learning what you have learned from Tamid HaChachamim, and you are now at the second stage of your learning because it is Chaverai, you are now with the salt, with his brother, with your peers. Remember that after that, Asuke Be'avua, after the salt, you got to bring it back to the father, bring back to the water. And it means that even after you have reached the second stage in your education, realize that you still need to go back to your teacher. And then comes the next stage. You eat it with the sun, meaning that you are learning even more with your students. You think you're done? No. Go back and drink with the, from the father. Go back to the water. Go back to your teacher even once you have reached the ultimate um, accomplishment in, 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 in education. You yourself are not the teacher. You, you have students, sons. You still need to go back to the water. You still need to go back to your teacher. So here was just a glimpse of um, an opportunity to see what does it mean that the way the Torah is given to us there are many other dimensions that are much deeper than our simple understanding and that whatever it is that we learn in the Torah is always applicable and always true. And even if at the one dimension or the other, the nature have changed to the point in which the way that godly wisdom reflects itself in the Pshat no longer applies to the Pshat, like for example, medical remedies, and uh, such matters as a fish being engaged and so on. It doesn't take away that the way the Torah is in its source, in a more spiritual way of understanding, that Torah is still applicable, still true, always true, and always eternal.